top stories of the week. Zero Nats for Nat Zero. And Pru Goward makes strong case for shopping the guillotine. Also, Trump brings the truth. This is News Weekly, and Melbourne just got out of lockdown, so you're lucky I'm even doing this today instead of getting arrested for drunken behavior and indecent exposure on the middle of Chapel Street. Sammy Shah and welcome to News Weekly, the news satire podcast where we punch the news in the head weekly. Hostage takers feeling taken hostage news now. Net zero is the sexy thing to be these days. Every country wants to be net zero. Every country wants to have net zero. Do you net zero? I net zero. It's like when the iPad was first revealed. We all wanted it. We all had to have it. We all kidnapped a neighbor's dog and held it for ransom until we got the money needed to buy it. That that example might have been too specific. I should have added allegedly before it. Now, net zero doesn't actually mean zero emissions. No one is actually thinking that's possible. A zero emissions economy is about as realistic right now as Hannah Gadsby fans and Dave Chappelle fans realizing they all love comedy, just varied genres of comedy the way people can love varied genres of music. It's never gonna happen. No one even thinks it's possible. Even if we manage to get to net zero emissions through electricity generation, cows would still burp and fart releasing methane into the atmosphere. Cows and me after I eat some garlic bread. Or eat anything really, as my girlfriend will attest. Net zero just means balancing out emissions produced by doing things like planting trees to absorb carbon dioxide. Or using huge vacuum cleaners to suck greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere and bang them underground. Yes, this is a real thing that is possible. But it's really, really expensive. Which means the vacuum cleaner is probably a Dyson. Those things are crazy expensive. Here's the thing, if we don't do this soon, if we don't get to net zero emissions by say, the next couple of decades, things could get really bad. Climate scientists are predicting regular 50 degree days in Sydney and Melbourne, once in a century floods every year, mass deaths of livestock, tropical diseases invading our major cities and a quarter of a million homes underwater. That's actual climate scientist predictions, not some publicist who wrote a book and got on Joe Rogan's fucking podcast. What did you say that they objected to? The main, so the main issues were, I point out that we're not in the, in the midst of a mass extinction. Now, Australia is under international pressure to adopt net zero emissions by 2050. As targets go, it's not that impossible. In fact, some argue, it's entirely too possible. Given the urgency of the issue, 2050 is really not handling it with any seriousness it deserves. It's like committing to wash the dirty dishes in the sink over the next month or so. Surely those two dishes will get done, but by then there will be a lot more dirty dishes. You'll attract mold and bugs and vermin, and your housemates will say all kinds of shit about you. Well, that's exactly what Australia is doing. Thanks to the Nationals, the political party that elected Barnaby Joyce not once but twice to lead it has decided they know what's best for Australia. Since last Sunday, the Nationals have been trying to figure out how they feel about this whole net zero by 2050 thing. Barnaby Joyce has even said, And we won't be held hostage to what other people may wish. He said that while literally holding the entire country hostage to what he thinks. 
Meanwhile, Harry Potter stunt double David Littleproud has said the Nationals won't be rushed. After just seeing a plan uh, and then make a decision within four hours, I don't think we'd be responsible, in fact be reckless. That would be true if the Nationals hadn't been in government since 2013, unless they've only clocked in four hours of actual work time in the last eight years. Which is kind of believable. Not convinced by this whole net zero thing is walking disaster Matt Canavan, who said... This net zero policy is an absolute walking disaster. Takes one to no one. David Littleproud has said the party isn't in a hurry. The, the only decision that will be made by our party room is when we get to that agreement. Um, and if that takes a week, if that takes two weeks, if that takes two months, well, that's uh, how the National Party will roll. Just take till 2050, mate. Why, why even bother rushing it? Maybe net zero can just stand for what the Nats have done to save our planet. A net zero amount of things. Matt Canavan was able to rub the coal dust off his face in time for more press interviews. Speaking to Sky News, he said... I, I'm in the position of uh, being asked to marry a girl that uh, uh, I haven't met. Um, uh, that's not how the Nationals Party room works. Uh, you know, we believe you should get to know someone first and before you make that, before you take that leap. No, we know how the Nationals Party Room works. It first hires the girl to work in Matt Canavan's office for a salary of $190,000 a year in a job that's never existed before or since. It then has secret liaisons with the girl for several months, including getting the girl pregnant, while never telling it to the first wife of 24 years with whom it's had three daughters already. Then, when the story is broken in the tabloids, it's forced to divorce the first wife and marry the girl, all while dodging sexual harassment allegations from other girls. That's, if memory serves, how the Nationals Party Room works. I didn't make any of this up news now. Let them eat cake. Marie Antoinette never actually said let them eat cake. Even though the phrase has been attributed to her for a very long time, in reality it was taken from philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau's work Confessions, in which he recounts being told let them eat cake by an unnamed princess. All of which to say Marie Antoinette had more sense than the former Liberal Party member of the New South Wales Legislative Assembly, Prue Goward. In the Australian Financial Review, a publication that Louis XIV would definitely have subscribed to, Prue Goward wrote a column titled Why You Shouldn't Underestimate the Underclass, They Are Damaged, Lacking in Trust and Discipline and Highly Self-Interested, But the Poor Are Still a Force That Australia Needs to Properly Harness. No, I didn't make any of that up. That's just the headline and sub-headline of the piece. Prue, who was New South Wales Minister for Family and Community Services and Minister for Social Housing until just 2019, goes on to describe poor people as, and I quote, Like the stoats and weasels of the wild woods in the wind in the willows, they rejected the rules and lived by their own. They were to be feared and were, to use my mother's words, not very nice. It just gets worse from there. It's like she challenged herself to somehow make every sentence worse than the one before it. I can quote anything from any portion and it reads like it was written by someone sitting on a poor person, dictating to a poor person, while getting a poor person to pat them on the back for how much compassion they have for the poor people around and under them. How's this? Quote, they are overrepresented in their use of government crisis services and are always the last to give up smoking, get their shots and eat two servings of vegetables a day. Or this, despite the billions of dollars governments invest in changing the lives of proles, their number increases. She calls them proles. Why didn't she just save some letters and call them yucks? Okay, one more, one last one. Quote, and yet I like them. 
I like them because they call us out. They're honestly self-interested and you always know what they think. I know many of them. This is so bad. Even Mark Latham criticized her. Mark Latham, the guy who once created fake online Twitter accounts to troll a domestic abuse survivor. You're in an article that's sort of out of pride and prejudice, sitting there like someone in a Victorian era parlour room, sneering at the poor. Why are you making me agree with Mark Latham, Prue? Prue Goward is currently a professor of social interventions and policy at Western Sydney University, where she's probably teaching classes like Intro to the Unwashed Masses, Poor People Are People Too, Kind Of, Just Don't Make Eye Contact 101, and Advanced Prole Studies, They're So Sad But Also Gross. She shouldn't be at that university and she should actually be removed from that position and put people in who want to promote Minto and other success stories. <laughs> Do you know how much it burns? An eye for an eye makes the whole trust go blind news now. The coalition has taken the blind trust part of blind trust literally by blindingly trusting Christian Porter, even though the Speaker of the House said he thought it was a tad suspicious. In giving precedence. Speaker of the House Tony Smith ruled yesterday the case warranted further parliamentary scrutiny only to see the government shut down efforts to refer the case to the Privileges Committee. By the way, that's not normal. For the House to block the Speaker is kind of like the murder suspect and the judge the case doesn't need any further investigation. And then, of course, Peter Dutton decides the government doesn't look dodgy enough and proposed a taxpayer-funded legal fighting fund for MPs to pursue defamation claims, claiming it should be considered as a, quote, workplace entitlement. He's an ideas man, our Peter. Although, to be fair, using taxpayer money to help his mates isn't a new idea for him. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton personally slashed millions in grant funding from organisations that were strongly recommended by his department to improve community safety and used the funds to support his own hand-picked list that did not follow his department's recommendations. In unrelated news, Mr Dutton is currently pursuing a defamation action against a refugee rights activist over a tweet which can cost Peter Dutton as much as $150,000 to $200,000. Hit like and subscribe news now. Six months ago, while speaking to Fox News, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law and campaign advisor, Lara Trump, hinted at something big. Well, I don't want to make any premature announcements. Obviously, what he said yesterday, uh, I'll let speak for itself. But look, I think the reality is there are 75 million Americans who feel like they don't have a voice out there. On all of these social media platforms, we are censored. What are you saying that even Facebook and Twitter won't allow it? There are ISIS and Taliban leaders on those apps. Regardless, it's now being confirmed. Donald Trump is launching a social media app. After being silenced by Facebook and Twitter for months, Former U.S. President Donald Trump said Wednesday he'll be launching his own social media platform, Truth Social. Because that's what the world needs, more social media. Trump, who is famous for launching companies named Trump that then go bankrupt, has tried to avoid the accusations of this being yet another exercise in narcissism by naming it Truth instead thus only using the first three letters of his name instead of all five. It also said that in the future, TMTG intends to launch a streaming service featuring non-woke entertainment programming. That's right, they're hoping to launch TV shows like White Friends or How I Met Your Racist Mother or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the Nazi version of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Other Trump apps will be Trump's dating app, Grabber, and his new video streaming service, Fuck YouTube. 
That's all from this week's edition of News Weekly. Congratulations to everyone in Melbourne for making it out of yet another lengthy lockdown. We've done it. Here's hoping we never have to do it again. If you like News Weekly, please tell your friends to subscribe to it. Please leave some reviews. Please spread the word. And if you like more of my content, go to patreon.com slash Shah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, where you'll find lots of me. Thanks, everyone. See you next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the head weekly. Thank you.